your Bibles with me this morning, I'm going to preach on the family altar. I've been wanting to preach this for probably a year. And I'm just, I just chose today on Mother's Day to do it. And so women, I'm moms, uh, wives, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to hit the guys right between the eyes this morning. Okay? I'm going to hit the men hard right this morning, all right? So men, get your boots on. And, uh, it, I, but I really want to preach to the family. It's been in my heart for uh, a long time to preach a message on building a family altar in your life. And Lord, just help me with this this morning, okay? We've been on a prayer initiative in our denomination for the past year or so with a team I work with called Evangelism USA. And we've been really trying to create basically a prayer movement within the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And so I've been trying to do this at our church as well. And we just began small. We began with my staff. We began every Wednesday working through works on prayer and uh, just making prayer part of our uh, personal lives more and more. I know in the, I've always been a studier. I was more of a studier than a prayer. I've always prayed, obviously, but I would opt to study anytime. But over the past year, my prayer life has uh, deepened and, uh, I don't know. I built a room just to pray in. And it's been so rich. It's been so rich. And I, I know it's been impacting my life because I was at a conference recently and just this amazing worship was going on. I think they had two and a half hours of worship and we were involved. In, but but I'm, when I would close my eyes, all I would see is the prayer room and see myself alone in the prayer room. So uh, I want to encourage you this morning as a family to start building prayer into your life. And all I want to accomplish this morning is I want to help you move the football down the field a couple yards spiritually. Okay? Sometimes we think we hear a message or we go to a conference and we think that's the end all. I'm going to be a super saint after this. I'm like Moses on Mount Sinai, you know. But actually, life is like this and your spiritual life is like this. If you can just move the football down the field a couple yards then we keep pushing it and keep building on that. So I'm going to begin with three separate passages of Scripture and lay a foundation this morning. Psalm 119, the centerpiece of the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. With my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can we teach our young people to walk correctly, to put the word of God in their hearts? Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's read verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Doesn't that sound familiar? Jesus quoted that. Then verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What he's saying here, this is what one person says, one scholar says you can, you can uh, boil down all of Old Testament theology into one verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Hear means to hear and obey what he says. 
So Deuteronomy 6 becomes the centerpiece theologically of the Old Testament. And what is, is right after that verse on hearing, hearing me is the Shema. What is immediately after that is the power of it within the family. Teach your kids this. Talk about it when you're at home. Talk about it when you're on the street. Talk about it all the time. Not only that, let it be on your forehands and on your forehead. So if you go to Israel today and you go to an Orthodox section or you go to the Wailing Wall, you'll see the Jews binding a leather strap around their arm because they have a phylactery on their wrist which is, contains uh, the law of God in it. And then they'll have one on their forehead, which contains the law, and they bind it around their forehead, and that's how they pray. They're getting it from this verse, that they're binding the word to their hand, and they believe it leads to the heart and to the head. Okay, final passage, Psalm 78, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. I'm not going to keep from my kids the goodness of God. I heard a testimony one time of a, of a, or a story of a lady who... Uh, Maybe I shouldn't tell this. I heard a story of a lady who was in a prominent position, and her, and her daughter said, I never knew my mom was filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit and believed in speaking in tongues till I was an adult. But she had this whole time. I thought, we can't hold it at our house. How can you be filled with the Holy Ghost and your kids not know? I don't know. That's mind-boggling to me. Building a family altar. I thank God for all the godly mothers, don't you? I thank God for my mom who taught me how to pray. I thank God for my grandmothers who uh, poured so much into me. I thank God for my grandparents who poured so much into me. My mom's parents uh, used to keep me a lot. When my mom and dad would work during the day, they would drop me off at their house and before I went to school, and they would keep me during the days. And I remember staying many nights with them too, and I remember my grandmother praying. And I would stay in a bedroom next to theirs, and I would hear her over there on her knees calling out the members of the family. And they always did that their entire lives. Later on, when I got older and I was born again after, when I was 16 years old, and I would still go stay with them some, they moved and retired to another town. But when I would go stay with them after I was born again, and, and, and if I was with them, they wouldn't go to their bedroom and pray. They would get down to the living room floor, and we'd all pray together. I'm talking no music, no smoking lights, just down on our knees praying to the Father. And those are, those are moments I'll never forget that impress me and mark me for the rest of eternity. So moms and dads, there's nothing as powerful as you praying with your kids. Nothing as powerful as that. I don't know of any more powerful force in the world than a praying mom and a praying dad. I thank God for my in-laws who were prayer warriors. They, never, they, they had a rule at one time in their life that no one who ever entered their house would leave without having prayer. They would not let anyone leave without having prayer. And Miss Ruby and her husband Roy were prayer warriors. My gosh, they prayed. Uh, Jackie's daddy used to pray. They said he would pray and people would come and go out of the house and he wouldn't even know it. He was so lost in prayer. 
Sometimes he would get up and the floor would be wet with sweat and tears where he'd just pray right in the middle of the floor. Listen, there's no substitute for that kind of upbringing. There's no substitute for that, folks, to have that kind of praying mom and that kind of praying dad. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. So today I want to talk about building a family altar and moving you down the spiritual football field a couple yards. Let's look at history. In the early church, Tertullian in the late, uh, late 100s, early 200s, writes about the central role of family worship in the Christian family. He said, quote, They pray together, they worship together, they fast together, they instruct one another, they encourage one another, and they strengthen one another. Later on, a few centuries later, John Chrysostom, who was the Archbishop of Constantinople, wrote this. He said, every house should be a church. And every head of a family should be a spiritual shepherd. Later in the Reformation, Martin Luther said, Abraham had in his tent a house and a church. Just as today any godly and pious head of a household instructs his children in godliness, therefore such a house is actually a school and a church, and the head of the household is a bishop and priest of his house. Think about that and put that in your mind. Every house is a school and a church. Every house is a school and a church. Later on in the 1600s with the Westminster Confession of Faith, they wrote, God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and truth, in private families daily and in secret, each one by himself. In the 1700s, John Wesley wrote prayers for each day of the week for the family. Each day of the week. In the Reformation, Martin Luther, if you look at some of the uh, writings of the early Lutherans, that he took the catechism of the Catholic Church and kind of uh, taught on it piece by piece so families could have it in bite-sized portions every day to pray at home and to teach their kids through every day. So I'm going to give you three commands this morning that's going to help you build a family altar in your life. And I want you to listen to them, write them down, imprint them on your minds, and and just work with me on this and give it a shot. Come on. How many is willing in here this morning? Okay, number one, men, be the priest of your family. Men, be the priest of of your family. I know it isn't popular right now to talk about male leadership because there's been so many abuses, but nonetheless, it doesn't negate the Bible. And the Bible teaches us that a man has a role in a family. Yes, women have roles in families too. Both are spiritual leaders and both are to come together. But I'm telling you, something happens when a man steps up and becomes a spiritual leader of his family. Men, be the priests of your family. You are a priest as you lead. Do you know that churchgoers statistically are more likely to be married? Churchgoers statistically express a higher level of satisfaction in life. And church involvement becomes the most important predictor of marital stability and happiness. Did you know church involvement moves people out of poverty statistically? Did you know that religious participation leads men to become more engaged husbands and fathers statistically? Did you know that teens with religious fathers 
are more likely to say they enjoy spending time with dad and that they admire him. I know it's not popular, but a priest is one who stands before God on the behalf of others. And as priests of our families, men, we need to stand before God on the behalf of our family. Yeah, the moms do too. And, the, and we're celebrating the moms today, amen? But I'm beating up the dads. We're the ones who have to go before God for our families. We have to go before God for our, our wives. A godly man leads his family in godly ways. And as a priest of the family, you have the privilege and authority to bless your family. Think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. On and on through Scripture, the, the, the faith becomes a generational faith. Or even uh, Obed, Jesse, and David. On and on and on. The, the, the faith is to be transferred. If you think about First or Second Timothy, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, I remember the faith I saw in your grandmother, Lois, then in your mother, Eunice, and now it's in you as well. So there it was transferred through the women. The faith. It is a generational faith. Moms and dads, bless your kids. I see two ways you can bless them. Number one, you can bless them in an informal way. And I believe this is powerful. That means you can just come up, guys, to your son or your daughter, and not because they've done anything, not because they made an A on a report card or they scored a home run in baseball, just spontaneously you can walk up to them and you can hug them and you can say, I love you. And I'm proud of you. I love being your dad. Boom. That, you know how many people never get those words in their lives? And if a dad can just come up and just spontaneously pour that out, man, I don't care. That has power in heaven and that has power on earth. There's a second way you can bless, and that is in a more formal way. You can go in as mom and dad or dad alone, and you can just pray a prayer over your kids, maybe before they go to bed, and just say, I bless you in the name of Jesus, and I just pray favor over your life. I pray the power of God over you, and I pray God blesses you and brings you into his destiny, or whatever you pray out of your heart. You can do it in a more formal way, and I'm telling you, there's an amazing power in that men we have to step up and be the priests of our families do you know these are depressing and i debated on even reading these but i want to get it down in your spirit this morning do you know the national fatherhood institute says that one-fourth of the children in america right now are growing up without a father a stepdad or an adoptive dad in the home okay that's total 25%, and that those who grow up without a dad have a four times greater chance of, of living in poverty. They are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. They are more likely to go to prison. They're more likely to, abu to abuse drugs and alcohol, and they're twice as likely to drop out of high school. On and on and on. I don't mean to depress you, but this is a reality, and the church is the antidote. The church is a solution to this. And men, as a priest of your home, you have a responsibility to guide your family in the right way, making godly decisions, praying over those decisions, letting the Scripture guide you, walking by faith. I'll never forget the first ever uh, Soul Hunters banquet we had. 
we had uh, a soul hunters banquet where we, we invited fishermen and hunters to come and, and we wanted all of our men's ministry to invite lost people to come. And it was only for men that first year and then we learned, hey, there's a lot of women who hunt and fish too. And we opened it up to the women. But nonetheless, that first year, we had about 300 guys show up and we had a Baptist man come and speak to us who had been a guide, a hunting guide in Alaska. And he was fantastic. He showed slides of their, their hunting expeditions and the rivers and the mountains and streams of Alaska. And it was just beautiful. And he talked about hunting trip after hunting trip. And I'll never forget, then at the end, he said, Okay, guys, we've talked about being a guide, but I want to ask you something. How are you guiding your family? We can talk about being a hunting guide, but how are you guiding your family? And then he boiled it down to a, asking for a commitment to follow Jesus. I'll never forget that. How are you guiding your family? Men, be the priests of your home. Be the pri- You said that sounds like male chauvinism. No, I guarantee you, your wife's going to love you more if you step up and be the godly leader and the Holy Ghost man. Amen? It's kind of quiet in this church this morning, but that's all right. Second thing is, men and women, get your marriage born again. Get your marriage born again. What in the world are you talking about, Hans? A lot of people live in a marriage and even are Christians who live in a marriage, but they don't have a Christian marriage. They've never sanctified that marriage. They've never allowed God into the mix of their marriage. They just live as two Christian people, which is great, but you need to get that marriage born again. Years ago, there was a man named Ed Lewis Cole. He was one of the first founders and speakers of the Promise Keepers movement. Years ago, I went to a, uh, as a grad student, I went to a men's conference he, he did, and it blew me away. And, and I bought a book of his, and I've gone back to it year after year, and he's now passed away, but he wrote a little book called Maximized Manhood. And if you guys want to read it, it's a simple read. And you read it, and you kind of feel like spiritual John Wayne when you're reading it. But anyhow, he told a story in this book of a man and woman who had met at youth camp. Both were Christians, and they got married as teenagers. And the man ended up being a successful business person. And uh, the lady, had they had sons, and they had raised the sons successfully. And they had gone on in life and gotten up into age. And, and then they just started bickering at each other. They just started complaining and moaning and fighting and couldn't stand each other. And finally one day they had gotten into an argument and the man ran out of the house and got in his car and started driving down the street and he just started praying, God help me, I'm miserable here. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, you talk about being Christ-like, but is your marriage Christ-like? And he realized that He had lived a Christian life, but he had never really allowed God into his marriage. So he turned the car around. He drove back into the driveway. He took his wife by the arm in the kitchen and led her to the bedroom. They sat down on the edge of the bed, and he said, We raised our boys, and we only prayed with them when we had dinner. We raised our boys, and we did sports, and we did school and all that, but we never really taught them the Bible. And he said, you know what our problem is? We need our marriage to be born again. And that night they dedicated their marriage to the Lord and stayed up to the wee hours of the morning sharing hearts and and vision and 
hurts and all that. And then their marriage was completely transformed and completely turned around because they allowed God in the door. Let me tell you, get your marriage born again. What's that mean? Start praying together as a couple. Start blessing as a couple. Start looking at your wife or looking at your husband as a, as a brother or sister in Christ who God has ordained to be in your life. <laughs> Whether you feel like it some days or not, that God has set you up with a divine appointment and he's given you somebody to yoke with you for your entire life. And one can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can chase 10,000. And you're a powerful force on your own, but once you team up with a godly mate, that God multiplies that effectiveness and he starts doing amazing things in your life. Go home tonight and get your marriage born again. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. And then finally, to the point, then build a family altar. And what I mean by that, I, I want you all to hear my heart. I, I don't mean you have to go home and physically build something. I'm talking metaphorically or you just build an altar, build a time, cut out a space in your life where you guys can pray together. That's it. Just cut out a space where you involve the family praying together. And I'm not going to guarantee you, if you do this, your kids will never have problems. No, your kids are going to have problems. I'm not going to guarantee you, if you do this, your kids will never be rebellious. That's part of life. But I can guarantee you, if you invite the Holy Spirit into your, up, into your kids' upbringing, and you invite the Holy Spirit into your marriage, it will significantly shift the whole thing. And I believe God will fulfill every one of His promises. That even though if your kids go harebrained at some point, God will bring them back. And it'll bring them back into the household because you have raised them correctly. So cut out a space and a place and a time to bring up your kids and let them see what faith looks like lived out in the lives of their parents. Let them see what it looks like. And you say, well, Pastor Hans, I'm single. That's fine. Let your kids see what faith really looks like lived out in your life. Let them see what faith really looks like. And I'm just, you know, there's no substitute for this. There's no substitute for this. Jackie and I were imperfect parents. I think about all the things we did wrong. It's like, oh my God. And we weren't real OCD about let's have devotion time at 8 o'clock every night. No, we really never did that. But a lot of people have come and asked us, how did you raise your daughters? Or ask my daughters, how did your parents raise them? And, and this is the only response that they could give. Well, we all live the Christian life together. And mom and dad always included us in prayer. When we were praying for somebody, come on girls, you lay hands on them. Or come on, we're going to pray about this issue right now. Or if they asked their mom about something, it was always spiritual. They asked me about something. I thought, well, somebody's got to think about the natural here. <laughs> but really, with Jackie, everything was the Spirit. Everything was about prayer. Everything was about what God was doing. And raise the girls to think like that, and it's in their DNA now. Involve them. I involved them in major decisions we prayed about. Let's pray about this, girls. Come on. Let's gather around, and let's all pray about this right now together.
And I don't know, just something that simple. And yes, I had times I read the Bible to them. I had times I took the Anglican catechism to them. And we worked through the catechism together. I did stuff like that. But nonetheless, just let faith be part of everything you're doing. We really guarded our, our girls concerning what they watched and what they were allowed to see and listen to and all that, yeah. But we didn't want to do it so much that it would burn them out and turn them off on church either. Because you can be so religious, sometimes you'll fry your kids. Just because religion can be a spirit that's not good. You want freedom and the Holy Ghost in your house. You want freedom. And that doesn't mean freedom to do sin and stuff. It just means freedom in the spirit. And you want the freedom to think as well. You know, for example, and I know this is an innocuous example, but nonetheless, my girls love the Disney princesses. I got no love on the Disney princesses. So I said, yeah, watch the Disney princesses. I don't care, you know. So sometimes I would have to sit and watch with them, which you dads love, I know, sitting watching the Disney princess movie. So I remember watching like Pocahontas, and, and, and I knew the story of Pocahontas. Pocahontas was a baptized Christian. She was a baptized Christian. But nonetheless, in the Disney movie, she's uh, this uh, free spirit who gets direction from a grandmother willow or something, which is a spirit guide that comes to a tree. And I said, hey, girls, what's wrong with this? Is this right? No, Dad, we know it's not right. Well, you tell me why it's not right. Well, we don't receive spirit direction from a tree. Thank you. <laughs> we receive direction from the Spirit of the Lord, right? We don't have to go ask grandmother, well, how stupid, man. That is the whole revisionist, historical, secular approach to Christian history. Thank you very much that they want to strip out all the meat and leave this garbage, new age garbage. Another sermon, another time. If nothing else, go pray with your kids before they go to bed. If nothing else, just start there. Because as I was preparing this, I was thinking, how could I... Dumb this down to, if you could just do three minutes, five minutes with your kids on a daily basis where you just pray with them before they go to bed. Nothing else, pray at the dinner table. Get together at the dinner table, which a lot of America doesn't do anymore, but just get together at a dinner table or over Chick-fil-A <laughs> at the dinner table and just say, let's, be, let's just pray and thank God for this. Three minutes. Start it. Start it. Start it. Let them see you pray over major decisions. Let them see you praying. Let them see you loving the Lord. Let me tell you, I don't know any replacement for kids seeing their dad worship God. I don't know any replacement for kids seeing their mom worship the Lord and then walk out of the church and live what they worship. Help people. Give to people. Help a neighbor out. Act righteously. Don't rip people off. Take holiness to heart. Take it like you actually believe it. Like the Bible is really true. And you live that out and your kids will be transformed. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many times have we thought, well, you know, how many of you grew up with a praying mom? Look at this. How many times have you thought in life, when you were in a dangerous place, you thought, at least I know my mom's praying for me. 
I don't know, I had praying grandparents. I mean, you think about the power of a grandparent praying over their grandkids. It's, it's un, it's, it, there's no earthly measurement possible for that kind of thing. I think about the power of my grandparents praying for me. I honestly believe the reason I'm saved, the reason I'm in church right now, is because my grandparents put me on the altar. They told me, they said, we put all of our grandkids on the altar. And we said, God, you do whatever you have to in their lives. But number one, make sure they don't leave this world lost. Make sure they're born again. Make sure they're saved. And then when God started working on me... And God started knocking on my door. I went to see my grandfather one day. And I couldn't stand in the same room and look at him because conviction was so strong on my heart. Because he looked at me and he said, Your mama says you're praying. And I'm proud of you. And you keep going. And you keep doing it. And he knew I was going to preach. He, just, he, he never heard me preach. But he told me, he said, Don't let them push you into it, Hans. There will come a time that it will be right. And you're going to preach. And, and, and when I was a little boy, this big, I would stay with them and, and they would take me into the hallway and show me a picture of Jesus. And they would go tell the neighbors, Hans is going to be a preacher when he grows up. I remember them saying this. And I thought, man, I don't want to be a preacher. I wanted to make money in life and, you know, do something. I didn't know what God had in store. Amen. Come on, somebody. How many can raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to commit to being a godly parent and to building a family altar in my life? And I know some of you are so OCD, you're going to take this and fly with it. And it's got to be, you know, 12-point devotion. It's got to be every day. And if, every, if you miss a day, you're going to have to take Prozac. and decide. Don't, don't be like that. Submit it to the Lord and let grace be on this thing. Let grace be on this thing. And when you walk in grace, but go back. If you miss a day, go back. Say, we're going to pick it up tomorrow. If you miss a week, go back. Say, we're going to pick it up next week. If you miss praying over the food, say, we're going to pray next, going to pray tomorrow over it. Don't worry about it. Some of you guys who hunt, when you take your kids out hunting, just pray before you go. You need prayer. If somebody don't shoot you, just pray for protection and then pray God gives you a successful day. Let's enjoy the outdoors that God created. Amen? You go out playing sports. Pray over them. Pray that God blesses them. I play, grew up playing sports as well, and, and I didn't pray. I had a high school coach that would pray. I don't know if they'd allow that anymore, but before every high school game, we prayed and said the Lord's Prayer. And it was, you know, now I look back at it, and it was, you know, it didn't help us win, but nonetheless, it, it was good spiritual training. Come on, how many can say, I want to be like that? I want to be a godly example. Maybe some of you are saying, I'm too old, and it's time's gone now, and I've failed, and now that you're preaching, I'm getting more convicted and feeling like a loser. There's always time to redeem. There's always time to redeem. I don't care if your kids are in their 30s. You can still be a godly parent now with your kids. If your kids are in their 50s, you can be a godly parent now. You can be a godly grandparent now. And your kids may give you some shade on it. They may say, well, why didn't you do this when we grew up? You say, well, I was an idiot when you grew up. Now I've gotten born again, full of the Holy Ghost, and now I know what I'm doing. Somebody put something online the other day. Maybe it was one of you guys. It was the most beautiful thing. And I thought, I want to read it, but it's, it's really emotional. It was like uh, when, I was, you know, when I was 16, my dad knew nothing. Then when I got about 25, he had learned a few things. 
Then when I got 40, I loved asking him for advice. And now that I'm 60, I'd love to talk to him one more time. Yeah. Life doesn't seem fair sometimes, does it? That people pass away with all of this in them, all of this knowledge and all this. I think about Jackie sometimes, what she, what went with her, I can't, it's gone, man. A legacy, a heritage, tent meetings and A.A. Allen and Oral Roberts and miracles and prayer and praying and I went through our closet the other day and I pulled out prayer. Jackie believed in some prayer cloths. I pulled out a stack of prayer cloths like that. Just, just living in faith like that. Taught our girls that. Pray over a prayer cloth. Put it under your pillow. Some of you women are having a hard time with your husband. Get us to pray over a prayer cloth. Put it under their pillow where they'll sew it into their clothes where they don't know it. I've heard stories of men falling out of bed, waking up in the middle of the night, getting saved, all kinds of crazy stuff. Why? Because a woman believed God for her husband. Come on. A woman believed God and and interceded. I'm so proud of our church because when I grew up in church, I, I really didn't see a whole lot of men in church back in those days. If it wouldn't have been for the women, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to have church. And I'm so blessed every time I walk into Fountain of Life and I see the, this many men in there with their wives coming to church and serving God and leading the way. You know what, man? God's going to do something great in your life and in your family. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Okay, I'm going to close this thing down. I just want a simple thing. Men, be the priests of your family. Husbands and wives, get your marriage born again. And then finally, families, build a family altar. Build a time. Because I'm telling you what's going to change the world. The church is powerful. Yes, in the church we do our work. As a church, we win the loss, do mission work. But I'm telling you, the basic unit of civilization is the family. And we can't, we, it's hard for the church to be a surrogate for your family. It's hard, we can't raise your kids for you. We can help instruct them, but we can't do that parenting for you. Okay? I, 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 we do all we can, but you have to take the responsibility at home to say, I take the responsibility to make sure my kids will know Jesus. They will understand the power of God. They will be able to walk into a Pentecostal church and it not scare the living daylights out of them. Because they've seen mom and dad at home praying the Holy Ghost, get prophetic words. I've sat in the living room with my girls and prophesied over every one of them, including the son-in-laws. Come on, man. Take it before Jesus. We've had Holy Ghost blowouts at my house. One night we left Jackie in the living room shaking her head to where I thought it was going to come off. I was like, girl, I'm leaving you alone. I got to get out of here. And later on, she said, "Hans, the devil been telling me I had a certain, uh, I had a knot on. This is this is years ago. She said the devil was telling me I was going to die because I had this knot come out on my neck or something. And she said I just got in the living room and shook him out. <laughs> Hallelujah! Think about the power. Think about the power when Isaac blessed his sons. <laughs> 
Think about the power when Jacob blessed his sons. Think about the power when Joshua stands up and says, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what the news media says, what the world does. I don't care what the school system teaches. In this house, this is a school and this is a church and I'm the bishop of my house and I'm the priest of my house. And in this house, on these grounds, no one is going to hell from this property. Come on, give him a shout. Just make a determination. Everyone on this property is going to be born again, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost, on fire for Jesus, believing the Bible, knowing the Bible stories of old, knowing how to pray, knowing how to call on God when trouble comes. Come on. From this property, no one's going to hell. Put your hands together. Give him much praise. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Happy Mother's Day. Guys, I hope you bought some flowers or something because I set you up huge today. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. We're going to pray. This is real pastoral preaching here, okay? Go build a family altar. Some of y'all I know are masters at this, way better than, than I've done in my life. So you got some good mentors here in this, in this church to draw from. I remember Alan Meads telling me when he first came to this church years ago that his mother was here, of course, but he kind of he, he came around and, as he said, he was a prodigal, and he came back to this church in latter life. But he said when he came here, Mr. Biggs, uh, Sylvia Biggs' husband, Robert Biggs, said he, he, he really took him under his wing and he started praying. And they would pray... And he said, my word, could that man pray? And I remember Miss Sylvia through the missions department that I worked with for years. There's no replacement for that. I'm not the most touchy-feely guy, but I go up and hug my son-in-laws. I tell them I love you guys, man. And I pray for them. I pray for them. And before they, both of them, both of them came and asked, to marry my daughters and we knew it was coming so me and Jackie had this private convo beforehand and this was always my, my, my part what are we going to say what am I going to say Jackie would be like I think it's a good thing Hans Axel's a great young man Brayson's a great young man. That's a good thing. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and then we had conversations with him. This, this is how the conversation went. Treat her daughters right because I treated them right. And do you know what you're getting into? I mean, Yeah. But also, you're getting into our family, and this is all we do. We do church. That's all we do. And you're getting into that. And I love it. I love it, man. I love it, man. What better? We're going to spend some time together next week, all of us in an Airbnb together. And I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to have a little Maverick with us. 
Isn't that good? Come on, this is what life is about. This is what life is about. And I see you guys sitting with your families or standing with your families this morning. It's just, it's just so good. I see Andrew and Chrissy, congrats on the graduation. And I saw Kendall Gunther here last week. I meant to tell her congrats on her graduation and all that and all the commitments. This is what life's about. We raise these kids up. And so they can go on into their destiny. And this is the way it should be. Our ceiling should now be their floor. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's what we want. Abraham paved the way so Isaac could walk in blessing. Isaac paved the way so Jacob could walk in blessing. And he was kind of rotten, but God turned him around. We walk and we open the door of blessing for our kids so that they can go on and do everything God has called them to do. That was our only, Mon Jack, it's our only, that was our desire. Just do what God's called you to do. How can we help you find that? And I'm not defining what that is. I just want to help you find it. Because one side of my family, very strong, very educated, very driven. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of marked out in some sense, I felt like what you should be. But we just told our girls, we want you to find what God has for you. And you be the best at what God has for you. And two days before Jackie passed, they brought Maverick, my grandson, to see us. And it's the first time we had seen him. And before they left, I said, Jackie, lay hands on him and pray for him. And we have pictures of her laying hands on him. And I talked to an evangelist named Phil Capuccio later. And I told him that story. And he said, she blessed the next generation. She blessed. That's what we want to do. This thing is like a baton race. Come on, Alex. Stand right here. Okay. It's, it's a baton race. I'm living for the Lord. And I'm praying. And I'm doing all I can. And now I'm going to pass the baton to the, my, my children. And, and what are we handing them? A bunch of drama? Are we handing them blessing? Righteousness? Favor? Faith? You carry on the faith. We read a statistic the other night. Conrad and I did a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. And we read a statistic that, that, that really... Okay, the statistics said 80% of all people who accept Christ in America do so before the age of 18. That doesn't mean you can't get saved after 18, but it just means the great majority accept Christ before they're 18. So parents, that means it's while they're in our household. It's while they're in our household. Come on, grab your wife or husband right now. If you're single... Like me, just raise your hands to the Lord. And God's going to bless you right where you stand. If you have your kids with you, why don't you just touch them right now and pull them close to you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you right now, Lord, for all the people in our church, single and married, and those with kids, those without kids. Lord, I just pray right now, you help everyone build a family altar. Help us all, God, build a family altar at home. Hallelujah. For those who still have children at home, Lord, I especially pray for them, God, that you really, you really make this a strong, a strong thing in their hearts, God. 
make it a strong pursuit for them, Lord. That they build that family altar where they pray with their kids, where they open up about their spiritual faith, and where they show them what it's like to live a godly life. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who maybe haven't been doing that, Lord, I pray today becomes the time, today becomes the day that they say, now, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. As, as for me and my house, today we determine to serve the Lord. Lord, for those marriages out here that those folks are married, but maybe they've never turned that marriage into a Christian marriage. Maybe it's never been a godly marriage. Lord, I pray they make that decision today to say today we're going to trust the Lord. We're going to pray with each other. We're going to support each other. We're going to encourage each other to go to church. We're going to encourage each other to spend time before the Lord. And Lord, we give you thanks for doing your wonders and doing your works today. In the name of Jesus. You know, I feel the Lord saying as we do this, that this church is getting ready to go to another level. Another level spiritually, another level in influence as we begin implementing a family altar in our homes. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin. And I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone. And I thank you that my life has changed. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus, and we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online, and I hope to see you again.